This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. I am so glad each Christmas Eve, the night of Jesus' birth. Then like the sun, the stars shone forth, and angels sang on earth. The little child in Bethlehem, he was a king indeed. For he came down from heaven above to help a world in need. He dwells again in heaven's realm, the Son of God today. And still he loves his little ones and hears them when they pray. I am so glad each Christmas Eve his praises then I sing. He opens now for every child the palace of the King. And so Jesus too, and that he loves me every day, I know too well is true. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie, deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight for Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth. Child of Bethlehem, 
Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel Said the night wind to the little lamb Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb a tail as big as a kite, said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear, do you hear what I hear ringing in the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear, a song, a song, high above the trees, with a voice as big as the sea. Shed the shepherd boy to the mighty king. Do you know what I know? Do you know what I know? In your place, more mighty king. Do you know what I know? A child, a child, Shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Said the king to the people everywhere. Listen to what I say. Listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say, a child, a child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light, he will bring us goodness and light, he will bring us Thanks, Jim and Debbie, for those beautiful Christmas songs. I'm reminded of one of my favorite Christmas memories. Uh, it was a caroling that we were doing. I was in the seventh grade, and our Luther League class was going caroling at different nursing homes, and I was standing at one particular nursing home next to Becky Nelson, who was the prettiest girl in our Luther League class and whom I had a crush on. And we were 
singing it might have been a little town of Bethlehem or I am so glad each Christmas Eve or do you hear what I hear or away in a manger. I just remember that at some point we were singing and Becky's hips began to bounce against mine and it was like an electric shock that I felt. Away in a manger, bump, bump, the little Lord Jesus, bump, bump. And I just felt a profound new sense of joy with the singing of those Christmas carols with Becky Nelson right next to me. Well, we'll be talking about some Christmas memories tonight and like that particular memory that I just shared, a lot of our memories are woven into uh, traditions of Christmas and they have to do with uh, the heart, the reason for Christmas, this birth of this little baby, but they have to do with our connections with our family and with our friends and discoveries about ourselves and a sense of uh, joy in the midst of the lives we're leading and we'll share some of those. I'd like to welcome you to this worship service. You're listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish worship service sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Falls and Trinity. My name is Pastor Greg Wilcox, and thanks today to Debbie Tag and Jim Haugerud, our musicians. Thanks, too, to Brad Anderson, who's our recording engineer. You can listen each week uh, live at 8 a.m. on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM or live on their website at wpcaradio.org each Sunday morning. And you can also listen to our podcasts available on your smartphone via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, which is nuicparish.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, or through our website, which again is nuicparish.org. I'd also like to thank each of you who are listening to our podcast today. And I'd like to continue then with just a Christmas prayer. So would you pray with me as we begin? Almighty God, you gave us your only son to take on our human nature and to illumine the world with your light. By your grace, adopt us as your children and enlighten us with your spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Before I ask Jim and Debbie to come and sing again for us and maybe to share some of their memories around Christmas, I'm going to be reading uh, both of the Christmas Gospels, or the Christmas story out of both of the uh, traditional Gospels. The one that we use most often is from Luke, the second chapter, verses 1 through 21. And I'm going to read that one now. And I'll be reading out of a translation called The Voice. And then a little bit later, I'm going to read the Christmas story out of Matthew's Gospel. And that's the one that I'd like to share just a little story or some thoughts around. But here is the very familiar story from Luke 2, verses 1 through 21. Around the time of Elizabeth's amazing pregnancy and John's birth, 
the emperor in Rome, Caesar Augustus, required everyone in the Roman Empire to participate in a massive census, the first census since Quirinius had become governor of Syria. Each person had to go to his or her ancestral city to be counted. Mary's fiance, Joseph, from Nazareth in Galilee, had to participate in the census in the same way everyone else did. Because he was a descendant of King David, his ancestral city was Bethlehem, David's birthplace. Mary, who was now late in her pregnancy um, that the messenger Gabriel had predicted, accompanied Joseph. While in Bethlehem, she went into labor and gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped the baby in a blanket and laid him in a feeding trough because the inn had no room for them. Nearby in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from the predators in the darkness of the night. Suddenly a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. They were terrified. Don't be afraid. Listen, I bring good news, news of great joy, news that will affect all people everywhere. Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a feeding trough. At that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers, a vast heavenly choir. They praised God. To the highest heights of the universe, glory to God and on earth peace among all people who bring pleasure to God. As soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into heaven, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. Let's rush down to Bethlehem right now. Let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. So they ran into town and eventually they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a feeding trough after they saw the baby, they spread the story of what they had experienced and what had been said to them about this child. Everyone who heard their story couldn't stop thinking about its meaning. Mary, too, pondered all of these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. The shepherds returned to their flocks, praising God for all they had seen and heard, and they glorified God for the way that the experience had unfolded, just as the heavenly messenger had predicted. I'll invite Jim and Debbie to come again and share some songs with us, please. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to
Debbie, we've come to another Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Been uh, quite a few for us, uh, more for me than you. But I, you know, I can't help but to think back to our days growing up on the farm and our family, how we we got together, the things we did on Christmas Eve. Um, I think of the one thing it, we really looked forward to it because this was the present us kids got. And like I say, we grew up with mom and dad and grandpa and grandma. There were six brothers and sisters. There was ten of us, and. Uh, we really looked forward to Christmas Eve because that's when we could open up our presents. And Grandpa and Grandma, like I say, lived with us. They had about a third of our house. They had their own part. I guess you'd call it a duplex today. Yeah. We called it a home back then. And so on Christmas Eve, um, what we would do, we would go into Grandpa and Grandma's part for supper before we did chores. And for supper, we even had lutefisk. Mm -hmm. And so Grandma would put the leaf center table, get it all stretched out, 
and the ten of us would sit around there. And I remember my brother, he loved lutefisk. He would have a full plate of lutefisk, eat that, scarf that down, and then he'd fill his plate up like with normal with potatoes and vegetables and a little lutefisk and that. And when we got done, we would go out and do chores. And of course, we knew after chores, we could come in and open up our presents. So, you know, dad and us boys that were big enough to go out, we did the chores in the barn. Uh, those, you know, my, my mother and, and uh, sisters and uh, brothers that were too young to help with chores, they stayed in the house with grandpa and grandma and washed the dishes and tidied up the place. And we could not, nobody could go into our part of the house where, where we lived. And we kept looking up, you know, because the lights were off. And I don't know how it happened, but every year Santa Claus seemed to know that that was the time to come into the house is when we were doing chores. And of course, if you were in there, he wouldn't come. So, you know, nice. so, and it seemed nice. like chores took forever that night. Cause I mean, we were anxious to, to, you know, get those, those presents that we got. So we got, we'd get done with the chores and up, you know, tore up to the house. I don't even know how much we cleaned up, but once we turned the lights on, there was that Christmas tree with a bunch of presents. And when I say a bunch, I don't mean a bunch for each one of us. Like I say, there was 10 of us. So if there was 10 extra presents there, you know, um, that was a lot. So what we would do, us kids, we all got a present from, our, from mom and dad. And then we got a present from Santa Claus, a.k.a. mom and dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had it figured out by the time I was 15 or 16 or so. But, uh, so anyway, that was, you know, in a, you know to... to, to and we would, we would make presents for grandpa and grandma. I'm sure the presents we gave them and my folks were presents that we made in school or at Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And we were so proud to have made those little presents. Mm -hmm. um, we've still got some that our kids have made for us. I'm sure mom still has some that we made for her. Sure. And uh, I know a, a, a present that I made for my grandma and grandpa one time. It was a, a, a tray and it was a flat piece of metal that was you know, coated with yellow. And it was a soft metal, and we took a pliers, and we bent up the edges, you know, to make it into a tray. Sure. And then we, I, I put a, ro a rooster on it, traced the rooster, and then we used some chemical to <laughs> get through that yellow paint, so it was just a silver rooster. I'm sure that chemical is just as illegal as the Dickens now that we were using, but I, I have that tray that I made for Grandma probably when I was in the fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So that, that was kind of neat, you know, and like I say... Um, we got, we got uh, a couple presents, and m Mom was pretty smart. We, she turned necessity into a present sometimes, because we, we went to a country school. And in the fall, we all got a, us boys all got a new pair of blue jeans, as most of the kids in the neighborhood did. But you know, from fall to Christmas, between softball and football and climbing trees and wrestling and you name it, you know, they, they, they took a little bit of a beating. So we knew one of our presents was going to be a new pair of jeans. And we, knowing that, we looked forward to that. And when we went back to school after our Christmas vacation, um, most of us boys had a new pair of jeans. Most of the girls had a new dress. And nice. girls wore dresses back then. Mm -hmm. And it was the same dress they wore every day. We wore the same pair of jeans. It didn't make any difference. So how about you, Debbie? What did, what did you, uh, in uh, your childhood or with your kids or... Yeah, well, um, uh, we had a big family, too, and dairy cows. But we had to wait until after chores before we could even eat. So that was... I bet you ate kind of fast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, usually I'd like meatballs and potatoes uh, for that dinner. We did have lutefisk, too, but mm -hmm. not only lutefisk. 
Um, and then, of course, you, we each got our little glass of Mogan David wine. So we had special little glasses that they were served in with a silver rim around it. And I, that's what I think of every time I have Mogan David wine, mm -hmm. any time. Well, so, I got to, you know, what Pastor said about standing next to that girl, you know, and kind of, you know, bumping next to her. And I got thinking about when, like, our, our Sunday school program, everybody had a part. Of course, we had to fill up, you know, you had to have three wise men. You had to have the shepherds, mm -hmm. Mary and Joseph. Now, Mary was kind of proud. It was if a gal got to be Mary, she was mm -hmm. kind of proud. Mm -hmm. Guy wasn't very proud to be Joseph because... Unless a girl was a good softball player or something, we didn't have much to do with girls back then, no. you know. So, so it was kind of comical when these when these parts would be handed out, and then you know we'd dress up in the they'd get the the, the robes, you know, mm -hmm. and living in the country, you know, farming. I don't think there was a lot of bathrobes around, but we'd we'd get a, you know get them, and they'd put the robes on, then a dish towel over their head, you know, yeah. and, and put a band yeah. around it, you know, mm -hmm. to make it look uh, authentic. So, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, those were those were some. Some good, good memories, and of course there were a lot of kids back then. Our family was six, and we were an average family. There was a lot of them that were eight or nine or ten. Hmm. If you only had three or four kids, you had a micro family, you know, <laughs> back in the fifties. So our our schools, our our churches, our Sunday schools had lots of kids, hmm. and uh, yeah, that was. And at the end of the program, did you get a brown paper bag that had peanuts in it, and another little one in with candy and? We, they, they mix the candy right in with the peanuts. Oh. And, you know, it was just a roasted peanut. And I liked them little haystacks we had. You know, they were, oh, yeah. you know, and, and there was some hard candy too. Mm -hmm. they, got, they got taken care of last. Mm -hmm. But then they would come with a, a box of apples. Yep. Washington, yep. big red, red apples. Now, mm -hmm. we all had apples on the farm. But, you know, it was, I suppose, you know, this was Christmas. We hadn't had any for a while. That was a big deal to get that apple. Special, you know, yeah. I, I don't think it's quite mm -hmm. as special today because you can get fresh food anytime. But, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure I had my apple eaten before we got out to the car. <laughs> I think my sisters might save theirs for a day or two. But, uh, yeah, that that bag yeah. of candy and the peanuts and the apple. Good memories. Yep, Santa Claus did not come to the uh, Christmas programs at church, but he did come to the Christmas programs at at our country school. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Debbie and Jim, both for the singing and for the memories that you were sharing. I, I really grew up in a very different kind of environment. Um, my father was a Lutheran pastor, and when I was just five years old, uh, he was called to a church in Long Beach, California, Bethel Lutheran Church. And we were there for five years, and then he was called to be a teacher at a Bible school in Los Angeles, California Lutheran Bible School. So we moved to Anaheim and were there for five years. Anyway, our family Christmas was really steeped, connected to, grounded in faith practices. And so we would start with Advent and we had an Advent wreath at our dining room table and we would have devotions uh, right after dinner every night and would light the candle and then the second candle and so on through the Advent season. And we also had an Advent calendar 
And it was numbered one through 24. You open the little door of the day that it was in December and it would show typically some Bible verse or another that we would read. And we had a variety of those kinds of faith practices through Advent that kind of built towards uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And then Wednesday night, we had Wednesday night Advent services. So there was lots of church kinds of things that was part of my family tradition. On Christmas Eve, that's when we would open our presents, but we'd always have church first, of course. My father was the pastor. And so there were one or two services we would go to, and then we'd come back and we would have our meal. And uh, my uh, father was uh, English and Norwegian, and my mother was German. And so I don't remember any of the traditional Christmas foods, really. They had been missionaries in Pakistan and in India, and so we'd often have Indian uh, curry and uh, spices with rice and you know different kinds of foods like that. But we'd have dinner, and then our family always had a program, and we had to do something as a way of honoring Jesus. And I suspect that most of the things that I did did not honor Jesus very much. My attempts at singing, or I played the trumpet, so I would try a tune or two on the trumpet. My brother played the piano, so he'd play a, something on the piano, and my mom would read a poem or something, and my father would always read the Christmas story. So we heard the Christmas story two or three times on Christmas Eve, and then we'd open our presents, and there were just four of us, so we had a smaller family. And we, you know, we'd get, I suppose, three or four presents. And then um, the next morning, it was our tradition that uh, Santa Claus came that night and we left our stockings out by, we didn't have a fireplace in Long Beach or Anaheim, but we left them out in the living room and there'd be some little gift in the stockings that Santa would have uh, brought. When I started dating my wife, Gail, her father was 100% Norwegian. Estensen is her maiden name. Her mother was uh, English and some other uh, ethnicity. But anyway, I remember the first time that I went to have Christmas Eve dinner with them. We were not yet married. Like Joseph and Mary, we were engaged, but we were not married yet. And uh, they brought out for the meal this incredibly awful looking, slimy, rubbery stuff that they called lutefisk, which I had never, ever heard of. And I mean, I was in college, but I'd never even heard of lutefisk. And everybody was looking at me, and I was expected to eat this. And I'm a finicky eater. And I remember taking just a small piece and almost throwing up two or three times, but I had to keep it down. And they had some other exotic dishes. The lefsa, of course, I liked. You know, I could add as much butter and sugar as I wanted, so that was helpful. But they had part of my mother-in-law's tradition was a clam chowder, which I hated, and some kind of sweet soup with little things floating around in it. That was awful. And then they polished it off with an incredibly strong Norwegian liqueur, akavit. And I remember drinking the akavit and having to excuse myself immediately, and I spent the rest of the evening in the bathroom. My 
future wife, Gail, would come and knock on the door occasionally and ask, are you okay? And I'd have a muffled reply. I was throwing up and just felt awful with the variety of stuff that I had eaten. And that was my introduction to my wife's family Christmas traditions. It was not an auspicious beginning. Our family then, when we came together, we had the Advent calendars and the Advent wreath, but we also started, um, a sister-in-law gave us an Advent train. She'd crocheted it. Uh, engine with uh, 23 cars and a caboose that made 24 cars. And one of the special things that my kids remember with this Advent train is that we would put a little tag on each car that would have some special activity that we would do as a family each night during Advent. So we'd go out and look at Christmas lights in our town of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we raised our family. Or I would have a sleepover. We had a nice uh, little family room with a real wood fireplace, and I'd build a fire and we'd roast marshmallows, and I'd sleep out in sleeping bags with my four kids. Or we'd do something special each night. So the Advent train became a special part of our Christmas observances. My family, as I mentioned, uh, was just very faith-based, faith-founded. My grandpa on my mother's side was a Lutheran pastor. Four of my uncles were Lutheran pastors. My father was a Lutheran pastor. And so we, we would have all kinds of family gatherings that would have a variety of little worship services and devotions and prayers. But the other memory that I want to share before I have a prayer and invite Jim and Debbie to come again, uh, is really uh, has become a, a significant uh, perspective for me in terms of Christmas and the meaning of Christmas because it involves the one uncle I had who not only was not a pastor, but he was the, really the black sheep in the family. He liked to smoke. And whenever we would have a family gathering at their house, they lived in Southern California as well. Uncle John was often outside having a smoke. And sure, the prayers got way too long for him and the devotions were way more than he cared to listen to. So he'd go out and have a smoke. And he really liked his beer. And the one Christmas decoration that he had that he put up every year, I'm sure his wife, my mom's sister, was mortified by it, but he had a ham's bear on a skating rink. And the bear went round and round on the skating rink and the, there was an ha a ham's beer sign that was over it that was brightly lit. And, you know, I always remember the ham's beer commercial. You know, from the land of sky blue waters comes the beer refreshing and so on. And this bear was a very familiar little figure for me my parents tried to shield me a little bit from his influence, but I think now about Uncle John and uh, his willingness to be part of this very faith-filled religious family and also probably his struggle around all of that faith stuff in the midst of his own attempt to understand and celebrate Christmas. And I want to use the gospel lesson that I'm going to read after Jim and Debbie sing and a little message to think about people like Uncle John and what Christmas might have to say for them. But 
Would you pray with me and then I'll ask Jim and Debbie to come and sing again. Gracious God, thanks for our variety of Christmas traditions. The lights that are up around us that we love to look at, um, the foods that we eat, uh, ways that we uh, give presents to each other, the celebrations on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, the services, surely the wonderful music, the hymns and songs that are so much a part of this special time of year, all of those things that somehow reflect in their own way the really the incredible gift that you've given us in that little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Jesus, bless us. Whatever our traditions are, whatever foods we eat, whatever gifts we give and get this year, whatever friends and family we're with or not with, be with us. Uh, some of us will be lonely this Christmas time. We are missing someone who has died this past year or we can't get together with those who are dearest to us, they're too far away. Some of us will be feeling a little blue and uncertain and sometimes Christmas, all of the lights and the parties and the laughter can underline the loneliness that we feel, especially bless those of us who feel that sense of loneliness. Be with Jesus, we ask in your precious name, amen. I'll invite Jim and Debbie to come again and sing for us. Thy little ones, dear Lord, are we, and come thy lowly bed to see, enlighten every soul and mind that we the way to thee. songs we hasten thee to greet and kiss the dust before thy feet oh blessed hour oh sweetest night that gave thee birth our souls delight now welcome from thy Thou to our veil of tears art come, man hath no offering for thee save the stable manger cross and grave.
the Christ child Born upon this day H is for herald angels In the night R means our Redeemer I means S is for the star that shone so bright. T is for three wise men, they who travel far. M is for the manger where he Thanks, Debbie and Jim. I'm going to read, as I said earlier uh, in our broadcast, the other story, the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. And this is in the first chapter of Matthew. And again, I'm reading out of this more modern translation called The Voice. So here, finally, is the story of the birth of Jesus, the anointed. It is quite a remarkable story. Mary was engaged to marry Joseph, son of David. They hadn't married, and yet sometime well before their wedding date, Mary learned that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, because he was kind and upstanding and honorable, wanted to spare Mary shame. He did not wish to cause her more embarrassment than necessary. Now when Joseph had decided to act on his instincts, a messenger of the Lord came to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to wed Mary and bring her into your home and family as your wife. She did not sneak off and sleep with someone else. Rather, she conceived the baby she now carries through the miraculous wonder-working of the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves, because this Jesus is the person who will save all of his people from sin. Joseph woke up from his dream and did exactly what the messenger had told him to do. He married Mary and brought her into his home as his wife, though he did not consummate the marriage until after her son was born. And when the baby was born, Joseph named him Jesus, Savior. 
Years and years ago, Isaiah, a prophet of Israel, foretold the story of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, which in Hebrew, the name means God with us. The Gospel of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, I'd like to share some thoughts around a very familiar Christmas hymn that I'm going to ask Jim and Debbie to sing in a little bit. And that hymn is Good Christian Friends Rejoice. Good Christian Friends Rejoice. It comes from an ancient Christian hymn, In Dolce Juble, a Latin uh, that's roughly translated, In Sweetest Rejoicing. And it was written by a German mystic and Dominican monk named Henrik Suso. In Suso's biography, here's a description of how this hymn came about. The story is told of Henrik Suso, a Benedictine friar, and he lived in the late 1200s, early 1300s, so he lived a long time ago. He was a Benedictine friar and mystic. Suso allegedly heard angels singing this song and joined the angels in their dance. He took that experience as an invitation to dispense with sorrow and to rejoice in Christ's birth. The song invites people to rejoice with heart and soul and voice, in other words, with their whole being. The reason for rejoicing is the birth of Jesus Christ, who has opened heaven's door, bringing blessings to all people. The last line captures the spirit of the song, we rejoice because Christ was born to save, a line that is sung twice at the close of the hymn. Well, this hymn was used by both Catholic and Protestant traditions through the years and translated into English sometime in the early 16th century. In the English translation, it had a number of titles, including Good Christian Men Rejoice, Now Sing We, Now Rejoice, Now Sing We All, Good Christian Friends Rejoice, and even Good Christian Folk Rejoice. It's a lovely hymn and a lovely theme. I see only one little problem with it, and that is, of course, what I want to talk a little bit about today for these devotions, this little message. The good news of Christmas is surely not only for good Christians. It really is for bad Christians as well, maybe more so for them. And so perhaps it shouldn't be good Christian friends rejoice, but bad Christian friends rejoice. And so with apologies to that old Dominican monk and mystic, Henrik Suso, and with my uncle John in mind, the smoker of cigarettes and the drinker of his ham's beer, I want to share a few thoughts about this hymn. And I'd like to make a little proposal for a few new song title possibilities. And the first one is, Bad Christian Friends Rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who make mistakes, who are sinners, who falter and fail, who procrastinate and have dust behind their bookcases and cobwebs in their corners. Or, Sad Christian Friends Rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who are sad and lonely, who have few friends and who are estranged from their family, who look around their life and wonder where the time has gone 
and how they ever arrived at such a place as this. Or, Mad Christian Friends Rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who are fed up with their lives, who live with a chip on their shoulders and a simmering anger, who shake their fists at other drivers, and who yell at their TV sets, and who think the world has done them wrong. Or, You're a Cad, Christian Friends Rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who act rudely and who don't seem to care about others, who go through their lives focused on themselves and who see no further than what they want to do tonight or this coming weekend. Or, you've been had, Christian friends rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who have been taken advantage of, who seem beaten down by life and who lose every argument who never get their way, whose shoulders are hunched and whose head is bowed. Or, I'm sorry about your dad, Christian friends rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who have lost someone, a mom, a dad, a child, a lover, a friend, (coughs) excuse me, this past year and who don't know if they'll be able to face all the bright lights and good cheer this Christmas. Or, It's just a fad, Christian friends rejoice. This title reminds us that the good news of Christmas is for people who don't always take their faith seriously and who tend to act one way in public while living another way in private, who sing hymns of praise in church on Sunday and offhandedly use God's name in vain on Monday. You see, the good news of Christmas is that God has come to our world not because we're so good and somehow deserve the peace and joy he offers. The good news of Christmas is that God has come because we are bad and sad, we're mad, we're cads who've been had, we lost our dad, and sometimes our faith is just a fad, Christians. And because God has come in that little baby lying in a manger who is Emmanuel, God with us, we can rejoice. I wonder today, If you were going to sum up your life, just kind of a song title, what you might say about yourself, bad or sad or mad, a cad or so on. Whatever it might be, whatever title you might sum up your life with, I have good news for you today. I have in fact the greatest news of all, and that is you're not alone. The gospel text I read from Matthew tells us that Jesus is in fact Emmanuel, God with you in and through all of the stuff of your life. He loves you more than you can imagine, and because of his presence and love, as hard as the season might be, you'll be okay. In fact, because of Jesus, you can rejoice. Amen. I'll invite Jim and Debbie to come and sing that little song, whatever the title is. Good Christian something or another rejoice. Please. Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ was born today. 
Christ is born today. Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye hear of endless bliss. Jesus Christ was born for this. He has opened heaven's door and we are blessed forevermore. Christ was born for this. Christ was born for this. Good Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all. To gain his everlasting hall, Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the Fit us for